first and foremost, before I jump into this uh, this review, people, I got to shout out fellow Cinemaniac, day one Cinemaniac, Michael Vanderpool. I, I really hope I'm saying the last name. Uh, I always wondered how, like, if I'm pronouncing that last name right when I say it in my head. But I have to shout this guy out, man, because for one, like I said, he's a loyal day one Cinemaniac, um, posts really great in-depth reviews and shit. But there was this movie that he would ask me every so often on several occasions. He asked me if I had seen this movie called VWF and I would always tell him, no, I didn't get around to seeing it, but I'm, I'm aware of it. And the only reason I was aware of it was because that I would see like, you know, advertisements on Facebook uh, from like Bloody Disgusting or Arrow in the Head. Fangoria stuff like that so I knew that Stephen Lang I knew that apparently there was like a, a horror thriller type of film with Stephen Lang Fred Williamson uh, um, um, William Sadler Martin Cove in there and basically a bunch of OG badasses and I was I'm not gonna lie like casting aside I was kind of on the fence because I'm like Fangoria, man, sometimes they put out that bullshit I'm, you know no disrespect to them I love Fangoria man I used to collect literally collect those magazines whether i got them out of like tower records or some spot some bookstore on south street whether i sent away from form uh, in the mail so i was kind of on the fence about it but listen man last night I, I i finally got around to watching vfw and again i gotta shout out michael michael vanderpool for for you know constantly not constantly but you know Every once in a while, checking up to see if I caught the movie because he kept, you know, he kept asking, kept recommending the film, said it was really good. And it was a really good play on like, um, you know, like old school 80s nostalgia and stuff like that. Let me tell y'all something, man, before I even jump into this review, this isn't really going to be a review of the entire movie. But just y'all know, like I I'm trying to tone my reviews down so that they're not an hour and some change. But this is more so just going to be like about the film um, in a nutshell and some parts that stood out to me. But before I do that, people, let me just say vfw i fucking love this movie people when i say i watched it last night i enjoyed the fucking hell out of this movie man if nobody has seen the film vfw and if you are familiar with these cast members that i'm about to get into or the director or the people involved the writers and stuff like that if you're familiar with them please please do yourself a favor and watch this movie man this shit is unapologetic it's relentless it's hardcore it's everything you want in this type of movie, man. And I I cannot tell y'all enough how much I enjoyed this movie, man. But I'm, you know, I'll let, you know, my little points speak for themselves. Now, this movie, uh, of course, if nobody knows, uh, uh, VFW stands for Veterans of Foreign Wars. I actually did not know that until last night. And there's a character in the movie that actually says that. Um, I, yeah, I had no idea what it was called. You know, I got a couple family members that served in the in, in the army. You would think that. I knew what that type of shit meant, but I didn't, you know, I'll keep it a bean with y'all. I did not know what that meant until last night. Now this movie, speaking of things I did not know, I was not familiar with this director, uh, Joe Bagos, who has directed Almost Human, The Mind's Eye, and a film called Bliss, which I didn't know is like a heavy metal, hardcore vampire flick. And I got to shout out Jeff Griffith um, for pointing that out to me. I didn't know this director did another vampire movie with some of the same cast members in there. And if it's anything like this, I definitely got to check out Bliss 
um, bars that actually rhymed but uh gotta shout out jeff griffith for uh pointing that out to me and shout out his facebook movie group backroom horror y'all can check that group out if y'all want to but i you know i wasn't familiar with this director's work uh after watching this movie i damn sure will be it was also written by uh matthew mccardo i i didn't know who he was either but apparently he was a production assistant for live free or die hard for transformers for get smart for takers all movies that i actually enjoy i think out of all the movies that i just named probably live free or die hard is is, is um my favorite out of those four that i named and of course this was produced by fangoria and i like i said i was on the fence about it man because as much as a guilty pleasure movie as children of the night is which was like a early 90s fangoria horror film uh, about vampires that star karen black and garrett morris um, and actually Amy Dolan's from Ticks was in that movie too. But I remember as much as I enjoyed it as a kid, the older I got, I'm like, this movie's terrible. They actually also put out Puppet Master, The Littlest Reicht. I'm not sure if I'm saying that right, but the one I think that was centered around, uh, the puppet Blade, basically. And I, I, I really, you know, I was apprehensive, man. It's like how I am when movies are produced and released by WWE films, but that's not always the case, man. I can't keep judging books by their covers, especially if I'm going to continue doing this podcast and thing. I have to be open to a lot more things and hopefully a lot, you know, me being open to a lot more things result in, you know, me seeing movies like uh, VWF, man, because the cast here, man, you've got Stephen Lang who plays Fred. And the, for one, the majority of these cast members are familiar with the horror genre, man. Stephen Lang was in Don't Breathe. Uh, he was also in Avatar and Tombstone, but he plays Fred. Fred Williamson plays Abe, uh, who was in Hell Up in Harlem, Three the Hard Way, Dust Till Dawn, which uh, the horror buffs will definitely remember him for. He also was in Children of the Corn uh, Part 5, if I'm not mistaken. He plays Sheriff Skaggs. Was it Sheriff Skaggs or Skuggs? One or the other. William Sadler's in here. He plays Walter, who was in, he's in Trespass, Demon Knight, The Mist, another, you know, veteran of the genre. Uh, David Patrick Kelly's in here. He plays Doug. Who he was in The Warriors, The Crow, Into Deep. I've actually got The Crow playing on this TV right now, but it's actually on. You know, the volume's turned all the way down. Of course, Martin Cove. Of course, um, Cobra Kai, Karate Kid, First Blood, Part Two. He plays Lou in this movie. George Went, who was in Cheers, the movie House, and uh, Forever Young with Mel Gibson. He plays um, Sabrisky. And there's a character in here uh, uh, named Mason who's played by Tom Williamson. Tom Williamson, I was probably was the one in the bunch of characters in this bar that I was not familiar with. He's a younger actor. I think he's about 30, 31. He was in uh, these movies, uh, Run, Hide, and Fight, All Cheerleaders Die, No Way to Live. I, I have never seen these movies before, but I actually don't mind this guy's acting at all. And you also got um, Sierra McCormick, who plays Lizard. She was in the TV series Supernatural. And you've got Travis Hammer, who plays Boz. He's the leader of, you know, the pack that um, attacked the bar with the, you know, the, the, the war vets inside of there. He, he plays Boz. He was actually in NCIS. And, I, you know, it's good that they got these, you know, TV show credits to their names that are in syndication. That's always good. And I didn't even know JP DeStefano's in this movie. He plays one of the random... Uh, you know, hypers, the, the people that are coming after these guys in the bar, they're called hypers because they're hyped up, hyped up off of a drug that they nicknamed hype. But um, yeah, I didn't know JP DeStefano was in this. This guy is a part of uh, he actually starred in and was a part of uh, the, the, the filmmaking process of Halloween Night, which is a fan film. Y'all not only check out my commentary for Halloween Night, but please check out that fan film. That is one of the best Halloween fan films out here man i shit y'all not is really decent but i had no fucking clue he um you know he he was in this movie man so big shout out to him and shout out to everybody that was um 
involved in the making of this movie, man. Now, really quickly, let me break down this plot. It's not a really, uh, it's not a really complicated plot. It's actually pretty simple. You know, you've got, I'm not going to say it's a post-apocalyptic future, but this shit kind of, the way that the hypers are and the character of Boz, it kind of reminded me of the movie Dread, the remake with Carl Urban. Um, but basically, you've got these these people who are hopped up on this drug called hype they're called hypers and apparently this shit is a it's not like like they carry bricks of it and vials of it but this shit is blue you know the big the big bricks of it later on in the movie are just straight up blue, straight up blue powder so i don't know what type of high you want like how high do you want to get to be sniffing some blue shit but basically that's what it is and you've got the character of lizard whose whose sister was killed by boz I think it was either Boz or Boz and his gang. So she steals from him. She steals a bunch of uh, bricks of the hype drug. And then Boz basically puts a bounty on her head. And he's like, listen, whoever catches her, I'll give you enough hype to, you know, liquefy your intestines or whatever the hell line he says in the movie. So in the midst of her getting chased down by these hypers, these raging fucking hypers. And let me say something about these guys. These hypers are they're, they're human, but they're so hopped up on this drug that they're like a mixture of zombies and not mutants, but just crazy motherfuckers, man. Like they're not easy to take down, but they're not unstoppable either. These motherfuckers are crazy and they run in hordes. They, 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 they might branch off into packs. They might sneak in one by one. These motherfuckers are, are, are insane, man. So in the midst of this happening, you've got the, you know, the, the, the OG war veterans, uh, Stephen Lang, you've got Fred Williamson, William Sadler, David Patrick Kelly, Martin Cove, George Went. Um, they go to this bar. It's actually Fred, uh, uh, not Fred Williamson, but Stephen Lang's uh, birthday. And, um, you know, they go to this bar and they're just hanging out. They're talking about old times. They're getting shit faced drunk, man. These old heads could drink like nobody's business. And I don't even know if I can handle like a bar crawl with them at all. Not, not even one bar. Cause they get, they get it the fuck in like, white brown beer everything that you want they get it in so they're basically caught in the crossfire when lizard runs to runs to safety in the bar because it's kind of like somebody gets killed in the process and then they do the whole give us the girl and we'll let you live and it's like nah like why is she here why did she run here why do they want her type of thing so it's like kind of worlds colliding but that's basically the plot of the story man it's a siege film it's a siege film where you have to survive the night you know the good is inside the evil is outside trying to break their way in and we just have to survive this night we have to figure things out and it does it work fuck yeah it works man because normally you would have a movie like this a siege film where you've got a bunch of just you've got a bunch of throwaway characters maybe two people you can root for more than likely a guy and a girl that you want to root for to get away at the end of the day but that's not the case here. I felt as though I cared about each and every one of these characters that these these OG characters that were in this bar, man. They seem like they really seem like old war buddies just shooting the shit, getting drunk. Some of them have alliances with each other. Some of them get on each other's nerves in other ways that others don't. I the plot works for me, man. I you know, simplicity at its finest. I don't need anything all you know, crazy. I don't need a convoluted backstory and all of that other stuff. And like I said, the hypers in the mix that are trying to get into this bar, man, they're, they're absolutely insane. They carry whatever type of weapons you need, axes, spiked bats and power saws and all types of crazy shit. These motherfuckers are insane, man, especially the bigger ones. Um, I think one of them is the char is the main characters, uh, you know, Boz is the main villain rather is his brother. And the dude's a bruiser, man. They've got two big motherfuckers like that. They got to put down with shotgun shells and all that type of stuff. And that's another thing I'll get into, people.
the gore, oh, well, I'll get into it eventually. The gore and the violence in this movie is A fucking plus. Now, yeah, they, they, they had a certain budget to work with here, but I feel like the gore and the casting was the thing that they spent the most money on and got well done, man. Bravo to the, like, because the gore effects, when it hits, some parts are like, ooh, and some parts are like, damn. But then there are other parts where they have to film it in a way where it's like, you know, this is what was in their budget. So I'm not mad at it. I don't need, um, you know, crazy Evil Dead remake special effects every single time. You know, I don't, I don't need all that stuff. So I love, I love this, um, for, for, for what it's worth. Now, really quick, let me talk about the main villain, Boz here. Boz, uh, again, is played by Travis Hammer. Boz is not, Boz is, I will say this, and this is no disrespect to the actor, Boz is not the most memorable on-screen antagonist I've seen in movies. But Boz is one of those people that they wrote him straight to the point. He's not going to fuck around. It's like, look, I'm not going to play around with y'all. Are you, I'm giving y'all enough drugs to get this girl. Y'all going to get her or not? You know, there's a girl that tries to question something that he's doing in the movie. And he's like, don't say a fucking word. And he just like face mushes her and gets her out of his way. He's not really for the BS, but it's not like boz cannot be taken down uh I, I i preferably i like the villains that i don't mind villains with goons but i like villains that do the dirty work themselves and i'm not saying that he doesn't but he's got people to do the dirty work for him so he, he, while he's not the worst villain in the world i feel like if i was in there um hypers aside i feel like boz i, I don't know maybe, you know his leather jacket looks like something out of uh, like it shit makes him look like a a leather clad you know punk rock dinosaur he's got all these spikes and shit on his like he's a decent villain man not the best i've seen but he's decent as far as the main cast goes man uh there's this opening scene well not the opening scene but there's an opening car ride with um with stephen lang and fred williamson and i swear to god man from that car ride on up until the first attack at the bar, I feel like all of the dialogue amongst these old heads was improv. It's too fucking natural. It's too natural to the point where they kind of take pauses in between their lines or they kind of stammer over their lines and it seems like they're just making this shit up as they go. And if so, again, bravo, man, because it feels natural. That that car ride, that truck ride with, with, with Fred Williamson and Stephen Lang, it really seems like they have been they went to war together they grew up together they were they're still friends to this day and then to make matters even better when they actually pull up to the bar you know fred williamson bangs on the back of the truck and i, th I thought nothing of it i thought he was just doing it like just just something that old heads do i don't know like I, I might hit a table or something just randomly and just think of something in my head but then um Stephen Lang hits the back of the truck and I'm thinking like does he do that to make sure it turns off or something like that and then Bill Sadler William Sadler sits up and he's like man I had a dream that you know you hit every pothole on the way here and he's like it's not a dream man and I, I'm telling y'all it feels like improv I need to know I'm going to be tagging like everybody that has social media um the writer the director the cast anybody with social media um preferably Instagram Please give me some answers. Like, was the first act of this improv? I, I really feel like it was, man. That's just that's just how good it was for me. Um, that we established very early on that Stephen Lang is, you know, they're all equal, but Stephen Lang was probably the best soldier out of the bunch. He's like the leader type of character. We established that uh, William Sadler is 
is Stephen Lang's pain in the ass, pretty much, because there's one part at the bar where he's telling him, he's like, yeah, man, that's the best part of the story. I remember I knocked this motherfucker clean out, and he got up, and what's the line you said, man? Tell tell everybody what the line is you said. He's like kind of like embarrassing him, not to mention Stephen Lang doesn't want anybody to keep bringing up the fact that it's his birthday for some reason. But, uh, you know, Bill Sadler's just the pain in his ass. Martin Cove is actually the bougie one, which I was surprised to see, because I'm so used to Martin Cove being Crease. Um, in the Karate Kid franchise and in Cobra Kai, I'm used to him just being a dick about everything in, in his existence. And while he was a dick in certain parts of the movie, he's like, there's a scene where he's actually helping. Um, he he he's actually helping David Patrick Kelly. You know, they're like patching him up and so, and shit because something happens to him, and he's just like, man, I got blood all on my sleeves and blood all on this and that. Like I'm just like. You probably were covered in blood in the war, like unless that PTSD is all crazy like that. I don't know. But the the, the interaction between these guys at the bar is simply priceless. Had you would have took the hypers out of this film and the entire movie would have taken place in this bar for one night and they were just getting together to get fucked up for um for Stephen Lang's character's birthday. I would have watched it and enjoyed it all the same. I'm telling y'all, that's how good the 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 interaction and just the overall chemistry with these with these characters are, man. It, it wouldn't have got any better for me, man. Honestly, I don't think the cast would have worked with anybody else, even the characters that aren't really um, around too often. Spoiler alert, of course. But and also, you know, one of the things that they want to do is that you know they want to get to a strip club, and there's a scene that had me cracking the fuck up where you know these are older guys so things are things are a lot different for them uh today as opposed to when they were younger and um <laughs> there's a moment where william sadler pulls out a newspaper clipping of the sh of the stripper and the strip club they want to go to he's like look this was mrs 1970 something this is her daughter the one we saw back in the day this is her daughter and she's dancing topless at the bar right now and Fred Williamson looks at the looks at the paper at the picture of the girl. He's like, she don't have no pussy hairs. <laughs> it's like I'm like this. This shit was so random, but it's so funny, man. Like these these people, man. I, I love these characters. Absolutely love these characters, man. Now, one of the things I have to also praise about this movie, the cinematography, man. And I had to look up who was responsible for this. There's a guy by the name of Mike Teston. Big shout out to this guy. He did uh, cinematography for Contracted, The Mandela Effect, uh, Stereoscope. But this cinematography is great in this movie, man. There are there are the majority of the colors I see in this movie, and I don't mind it one bit, are red and blue. You get lots of reds and lots of blues, and it looks amazing. The cinematography is great in this movie, people. Usually I like... I like one shade like I'm used to being spoiled with movies like Halloween where you get that Dean Cundy cinematography shades of blue or maybe Halloween six where you get that same nostalgic blue maybe stuff like Halloween five where it's more so orange than anything but these two cinematography is great man uh, so again shout out to Mike Teston for uh, really making this movie not only uh, look good but it was consistent you know it, it felt like it had a consistent theme to it and you know, it almost gave the bar and the outside of the bar, uh, um, you know, characteristics of its own. It's like it gave these, you know, these inanimate objects and places uh, a personality in a lot of ways. So I really respect that. Now, another thing I want to mention about this movie, people, is this movie feels like a combination of multiple movies for me. 
and it's, it's one of the things that made the movie really amazing for me. It, it feels like Night of the Living Dead, you know, take your pick, whether it's 1968 or 1990, but I say that in the sense that, yo, we got to board this place up and hold it down and survive the night. Like I said, Siege film. So it feels like Night of the Living Dead, feels like Green Room, which was, uh, you know, the movie that the late great Anton Yelkin was in, Patrick Stewart was in, where the kids get trapped in the green room and they got to go up against neo-Nazis with dogs and shit like that. Um, it feels like that, Night of the Living Dead, and The Crazies, more so The Crazies remake that came out in 2010. But it feels like all of those movies on fucking roid rage because the whole survival aspect, the whole claustrophobic aspect of it, the brutality, like it, there's so many reminders of just nostalgic film in this movie, man, for this movie to have been made last year, for this movie had to have been, I'm not sure when it was made, but I know it was released last year. This feels like it's like in one of those time, it's one of those time capsule films where this could have easily been a movie that came out in 1980 and nobody ever saw it. And then they drop it in 2020, 2021. Nobody would feel any different about it. It's just as good, man, because it's so much, it's just got an 80s feel to it, man. It is so amazing, yo. Now, like I said, the, the guys are in the bar, they're getting shit-faced drunk. The girl Lizard is on the run and she just so happens to come across the bar. So she runs into um she she runs into the bar, man, and that's when all fucking hell breaks loose. You know, uh, David Patrick Kelly's character gets an axe to the shoulder, he starts bleeding out. But I love that Stephen Lang and some of the other guys take action right away. Stephen Lang blows somebody's fucking head off, literally blows his head clean off to a stump in that bar. Uh Fred Williamson's rocking out. William Sadler's uh, uh, rocking out. The only person that's not really rocking out right away like they should is Martin Cove and George Wentz's character, uh, Lou and Zabriski, because they're kind of just so, they're, they're more so on the side of what the fuck is going on here? And da, da, da. you know, Stephen Lang, Stephen Lang actually gets physical with these motherfuckers at some point, not the hypers, but there's a scene where Martin Cove wants to, um, Martin Cole's like, listen, man, we're going we're gonna to toss this bitch outside. We're going to get these guys what they want. And then we rolling up out of here because I still want to see some tits and ass and I still want to stay alive. And him and Stephen Lang are kind of facing off, going at, you know, beefing about it. And he pulls Stephen Lang's scully down over his face. And Stephen Lang punches him in the face, like literally like uh, just instinct. He is an instant reaction. He punches him right in his face. I, but I love it, man. That's how friends that have people that have been friends for that long. I'm not saying it's cool, but sometimes they've been friends for so long that they can just trade blows at each other and just be like, all right, man, it's not that bad. I didn't mean it because that's actually what Stephen Lang says. He says it's not that bad, man. So everybody, you know, there's multiple times that they try to break in. There's the moment that, um, uh, you know, they they have to they have to play Q&A with this girl. Basically, it's like, listen, all right, bitch, now you're going to start talking or we're going to kill your ass or toss you out there and you're going to die anyway. So we find out that lizard, you know why she's there. What's going on with Boz, what the hypers are, the bounty on her. And then, but the crazy thing is, she says, you know, not only will they kill me and kill y'all, they'll kill your wives, they'll kill your families, they'll kill your parents, their, your, your grandparents, uh, or not grandparents, but she says your grandkids, your great grandkids. And then, you know, she's got the joke about being old. And I know I'm not talking much about, um, and I feel so bad now, I'm not talking much about Tom Williamson's character, Mason. This guy was a standout character, man. And again, 
This is a character I didn't think was going to pull his weight because when they showed him up, when he first shows up at the bar, he's drinking a beer, he's doing shots, and he's like, yeah, I just came home. And they're like, listen, nobody nobody pays for their drinks when you come back, soldier. You know, thank you for your service and stuff like that. I'm like, this kid is going to get murked. He's going to be one of the first ones or second ones to get murked in here because he's going to be like some wet behind the ear soldier in comparison to these old heads. But no, listen, the character Mason saves these guys' asses multiple times in this movie and when he first pulls out his gun and starts letting off shots he's sharp with it man i think i can't remember the name that he said that they dubbed him uh in the military because of how good his aim was but this motherfucker man even without a gun like the makeshift weapons whether he's like kneeing somebody's head to a pulp yo this dude gets it the fuck in man i was impressed and i had to make a mention of that because i feel bad that i wasn't mentioning him throughout the whole you know the bar antics and stuff like that but you know there there are a couple times that they try to you know they they, they try to break in and stuff like that and um this is this this is this is one of the things about the the scene where they break in um you know they board everything up but the hypers are outside ready and th th there are moments where it's so many of them, they look like zombies, you know, they're, they're, whether their hands are reaching through doors or reaching through gate openings or whether they're just running, trying to crowd people. They seem like fucking hordes of zombies or hordes of crazies, which kind of makes the movie a little terrifying in that sense, because they're stopping at nothing to kill everybody in their path. Now, when they break in. It's party time. They the the guys have got makeshift weapons and it is gore galore. There's this, I can't remember who it was at the back door. I want to say it was um I want to say it was either Stephen Lang or William Sadler's characters. Somebody's got their hand, you know, their whole arm in the in the doorway and he's pushing it closed, but he's like I can't push it closed with the arm here. So he literally chopped and they show it. They show him chop that motherfucker's arm off blow by blow. You know, necks are snapping. Fred Williamson's got nails, you know, uh, tucked in his knuckles. So it kind of makes him look like a low budget Wolverine and shit like that. He's punching people in the neck and the face. They are going to work on these hypers, man. Now, all while, you know, uh, it's unfortunate because David Patrick Kelly's character, Doug, is literally on the bar. He's bleeding out. He's kind of out of it. All he wants to do is smoke his medical marijuana that he's been smoking since, you know, we see him in the movie. Um, I didn't mention George Wentz's character, Zabriskie, at this point is dead because he does go outside. And I think he gets a machete to the neck. And I hate to say it, uh, OG veteran actor or not. And regardless of how much I liked his character, I knew his ass was going to go uh, sooner than later. I thought he would be one of the first ones and he actually was he's the first one to actually die because david patrick's Kelly, kelly's character is actually bleeding out you know on his way out the door but i i had a little bit of hope for david patrick kelly's character but we know how that goes but you know i love the break-in scene because at the end they are victorious and they they feel like you know y'all not gonna keep fucking us up and trying to run up on us and shit we y'all y'all must not know who the fuck we is up in here so they show them what it is and you know, they dispose of the hypers in there. And sometime after that, I can't remember how long after that, but there's a scene where Martin Cove is, like I said, people, if I'm all over the place, this won't be like a full review. I'm just talking about the points that stand out to me. But there's a lot, there's a bit of dialogue between Martin Cove <laughs> and William Sadler. And this is some true old head shit. William Sadler's like, did you see all those drugs that she had in that bag? They're talking about the bricks of the hype drug. And he's like, yeah, Martin Cove's character's like, yeah. And he's like, what if you had all that cash? I mean, all that in cash. What would you do with all that in cash? And they're sitting there drinking. And Martin Cove's like, you know what I'd do? 
He said, I'd buy each and every one of us a casket. And he starts talking about what type of casket he would get. And I'm thinking he's going to say, like, he would buy himself, you know, like, uh, you know, like a little uh, house on the prairie or buy us all cars or take care of my kids or whatever. Put my kids through college. I don't know. But this motherfucker straight up said he would buy them a casket. Now, I don't know if that's because he knew they weren't going to survive the night or he knew that you know, they didn't have a lot of miles left after that night was going to be over, man. But I love that all the exchanges between these characters, it seems like if Grumpy Old Men was a horror thriller movie, just a horror thriller action film, a gritty grindhouse type of film. I love it, man. The, the, I'm telling you, the writing in this shit, man, people can say what they want. I love the writing between these characters, the interactions, the, the dialogues between these characters is absolutely amazing. Now, speaking of Martin Cove's character, again, Lou, he does something in this movie that I, I, I didn't see it coming, but once it started unfolding, I'm like, this nigga's a goner. This shit is over for him. Um, you know, he, he, he tells everybody, he's like, look, I'm still trying to make it to the titty bar. I'm about to make a proposition to these guys, and we're going to get the fuck up out of here alive tonight. So he makes a proposition to Boz and the gang, literally goes across the street to where Boz and the gang are at. Because they're getting all types of new weapons ready. They got bone saws. They got a propane tank in the back of their truck. They've got chainsaws. All types of uh, heavy weaponry. Uh, because obviously what they were doing the first time wasn't working. Because they're getting whacked off one by one. And Martin Cove's character makes a proposition to them. And you know he tries to make a deal with, 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 with um, Boz and, 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 and the hypers and stuff like that. And um... I knew it was coming, man, because that moment right there, it seemed like Jeremy Piven in Judgment Night. That is exactly what that reminded me of. And if nobody knows what I'm talking about, there's a scene where Jeremy Piven in, uh, in, in, in Judgment Night, his name is Ray Cochran in the film. He's trying to reason with Gary. Uh, God damn, I almost said Gary Sinise. What is that guy's name? Dennis Leary. He's trying to reason with Dennis Leary and his goons on the rooftop. And he's like, listen. 200,000 and I give you this ring if you let me and my friends go and then they throw his ass over a fucking rooftop after they say yeah alright we'll take you up on that offer and take the ring and then they don't even take the ring after that but I knew what was going to happen because he's like look you might have heard of me I, I, you know he says his logo and everything uh, uh, Martin Cove says his logo for whatever business he's got and I'm just like he's dead his ass is dead he's going to get torn apart or something and it just reminded me of that scene in Judgment Night. So I knew I knew it was going to end terribly, which it did, man, because, um, you know, Stephen Lang is across the he's across the street. And there there while there is an exchange, some shit hits the fan when they're about to kill Martin Cove. And he tries to rock out for a little bit, but Boz ain't having it. So Boz shoots his ass six times. You know, I shot him six times. He's a, a big Dr. Loomis fan, apparently, because he dumped six shots into him close range into his chest and his stomach. And. You know, he's done for after that. And Stephen Lang sees it. So that gives him more motivation to give up at this point because he's like, you know what? We don't stand a chance. And then not only does he lose uh, Martin Cole's character, Lou, but Doug also dies. You know, uh, David Patrick Kelly's character dies. He bleeds out eventually, which I, I knew he wouldn't last long. But I, I wanted I wanted to see him survive, man, because anytime somebody's, you know, incapacitated like that and it's like, look, if we don't get him out of here and. 25 minutes he's dead he's gonna bleed out we have to make a move now it usually doesn't work man 
But, um, you know, Doug dies and then Stephen Lang, he has his moment where he grabs a bottle of like Jim Bean or Jack Daniels or something like that. And he goes in the back room to get fucked up. You know, he takes a drink for his friend and he's like, look, man, I'm done. This is as together as y'all are going to get from me. And then the girl lizard goes back there and she's like his voice of reason. She gives him the motivational speech. She's like, look, I knew you were a pussy when I laid eyes on you. She takes the bottom from him or the bottle from him. And then she's like, listen, if you want to fucking die here like a piece of shit, then that's on you. I want to live. Everybody else wants to live. So fuck you. And then, and then, you know, he puts the bottle down and he has like his his moment of clarity. And then he actually comes back out and he takes charge again. And I, it's kind of cheesy, but I like the line where William Sadler whispers in the girl's ear and he's like, he's back because, you know, Stephen Lang has found himself again and he takes charge of the team. Now, there's a moment where he taunts Boz. They're at the little peephole at the doorway. And he's like, listen, man, I'm gonna cut your heart out. This, that, and other. It's basically the alpha male good versus evil protagonist versus antagonist taunt session that you have to have in a movie like this because there's got to be a build-up for um you know for the final act with these two if they are to square off one-on-one so they do have that moment and Stephen lang just walks off and then boz walks off and then at this point we're getting ready for war and i'm like okay third third act finale battle sequence you know battle royale whatever we gonna get let's get it and you know they're all getting their weapons together they're getting themselves together and fred williamson this is when i thought he was going to die because he says to them he's like it's been a it's been a pleasure uh serving with you gentlemen and i'm like oh man he's about to, he literally seems like his character from dust till dawn in an alternate universe that's exactly who he seems like but when he said that i'm like he's going to be the sacrificial negro he gonna be the sacrificial negro he gonna sacrifice himself for everybody or blow the bar up or something like that or be like i got this go i'll save you guys i'll catch up in five minutes like but what he does is after he says it's been a pleasure sir been an honor serving with you gentlemen or whatever he says he takes the hype drug he cuts it open and he sniffs it he sniffs this shit so his face is covered in powder and you know he's locked and loaded ready to go shouting from the rooftop this dude is going crazy in this movie so then you know we get the standoff we get the it's, it's cliche but it's needed in, the, in a movie like this again but we get the standoff you know it's those guys versus the other guys and the good guys are standing over there with their weapons in hand and boss comes in talking shit like listen if you give her if you give her to us now and the drugs will kill you quickly or whatever he says he says something some asshole line where it's just like oh that's a bit of, you know, that's tempting. Like, he doesn't make them any type of offer. So they're just, you know, talking to each other back and forth, talking shit. And what happens is, uh, I think Stephen Lang throws the brick up in the air of, of the drug and somebody shoots it. And it's it's powdered, coke buffet, hype buffet all over the place, man. It's powder everywhere. Everybody getting high at this point. So then it's the battle. And th I'm talking like, you get crazy shit man of course you get people getting stabbed up you get the power saw that bill sadler's using uh, god damn man it's like the power saw from that movie high tension that 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 the killer was a uh, you know drilling through that car with the the final act battle is is exactly what it should be you know there's a lot of everything going on you have to pay attention to everything that's going on excuse me and everybody's pulling their weight at this point mason's pulling his weight um, Lou's already gone, Zabrinsky's already gone, Doug's already gone, Walter, who's William Sadler's character, is pulling his weight, Abe and Fred are pulling their weight, Lizard's even pulling her weight, but Lizard actually gets caught, Lizard gets caught by Boz, and he's still trying to take her alive and stuff like that, he's dragging her off, but in, at some point in the movie, 
you know, the tires are slashed. Um, Stephen Lane goes back in the bar to get everybody else out. Preferably, uh, you know, preferably the girl, Lizard. And that leaves, who does that leave again? I think that leaves Fred Williams. I'm all over the place, people, because I'm trying to wrap this up as quickly as I can. Basically, what I'm trying to say is there's a really, really good scene where the tires are slashed on the truck. So William Sadler's got this big ass truck. Um, it, it looks like the fucking the military truck from Grand Theft Auto Vice City that you can jump in the back of and just and literally just ride on top of it for miles and miles and miles. It looks just like that. So him and Mason are, you know, trying to get the trying to get the truck started up. And Mason, you know, these these hypers are literally running on the back of the truck trying to attack. And Mason's fucking kicking them off. He's 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 fucking them up, man. He he's putting in work. That's why I said Mason is such a good character because whether he's got a gun, whether he's got a weapon, whether he got them hands and them feet, he is whooping ass. So he's just like, yo. He, he tells William Sadler, he's like, Walter, hurry the fuck up, man. These dudes keep running up. I can't keep holding them off like this. Like we gotta go. But man, what pissed me off was. Somebody grabs William Sadler and then somebody comes to the front of the truck and starts chainsawing through the windshield, slices his shit all up, slices him up real good, all up in his chest area. And what happens is, you know, um, uh, 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 Mason takes care of them as well as he should. And it's a really it's a sad moment, man, because William Sadler was one of my favorite characters in the in the in the film, man. I, I liked all the characters, but he definitely is always a standout character actor, man. And he's got this speech, this moment of dialogue between him and Mason that reminds me of Demon Knight. Uh when he gets, you know, he gets his tongue all or he gets his uh his chest all ripped into by a, a demon's tongue and gets his almost gets his fucking heart torn out in that movie. But he's dying, literally dying, and he's telling Jada Pinkett, like, yo, he's still down there. You're the chosen one. Come on, let's let's hurry up and get this blood in this cup and blah 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 blah. It's kind of like a movie, a, a, a scene like that in this movie where he's talking to Mason. He's like, You are always a good soldier. I like you a lot, kid. He's like, yo, he was like, it's, that's that's it for me, man. I'm checking out. Like, he's like, I need you to get out of here, get home to your wife. And, you know, keep on living, basically. And it's a really sad moment, man, because they give this character, Mason, a lot of shit throughout the movie. But they ultimately end up respecting him. And William Sadler's character is one of the... He, I think he's the one that actually got it through to him really well. That he thought he was a rider. He thought he was a great soldier. And he's about to make the sacrifice play, so to speak. And Mason knows it. So Mason gets the fuck up out of there. And, you know, after he gives him his speech... Boz is holding, um, you know, Lizard hostage, and Stephen Lang is on his last leg because he's been shot. He's getting all fucked up throughout the entire movie. He gets kicked in his chest, gets the wind knocked out of him. So he's like on his last leg, and he's telling Boz like, "We ain't done yet, man. We still got unfinished business, bitch," and all this other stuff. So Boz has kind of got like um, Lizard in a headlock, but there's a book bag with the drugs inside of it that's filled with like it's either lighter fluid or gasoline. So what's happening all at once? Lizard is about to, um, Lizard basically is, is, is about to make a move. She's got the lighter in her hand because nobody can, nobody can really shoot anybody. And actually they do because I think William, uh, not William Sadler, God damn it. William Sadler is actually driving the truck towards Boz who is standing right next to the propane tank in his truck with Lizard. So what happens is Lizard flips open the lighter. She throws it in the bag. It catches fire and Boz catches some fire along with the bag, and while he gets shot, he does get shot, um, 
you know, William Sadler crashes that motherfucking, you know, he's like, this is the last time I'm going to save your ass talking to his homie. And he crashes that big ass truck into into Boz. And then the propane tank blows up after that. So we're home free after that. You know, we're home free, but it's still it's still a bittersweet moment, man. Anytime somebody makes a sacrifice play and this actually it just dawned on me that, um, you know, there's a moment like that in disturbing behavior as well. I keep forgetting William Sadler was in that movie also where he's got that he's got that noisemaker electronic thing hooked up to the back of his car and he ends up driving off the cliff and killing a bunch of the kids with him. He makes a sacrifice play for James Morrison to get away. And God damn, man, he does that a lot in his movies and bravo to him because he did an amazing job with this movie, man. So the hypers are dead. Boz is dead and you know they do their last round of shots I think they find out that they have one more brick of 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 the drug left actually too so who knows maybe we'll get a VFW part two I don't know I I wouldn't be opposed to it but I don't think you're going to get a better cast um in that one unless you cast like Clint Eastwood and you know I don't know unless you get people like people like that up in there Clint Eastwood Clue Gulliger let's get let's get some other old heads up in there god damn that's actually not a bad idea I might map that out for an episode people it's giving me an idea. But listen, man, you know, I know this was all over the place, but I didn't want to get a, give a review that was going to last like an hour and a half. We're already 40 minutes into this. Um, but overall, people, this movie's fucking amazing for me. I did not go into this movie expecting um, the best acting I've ever seen. Uh, you know what I'm saying? And even though that's not to say that I didn't. Of course, I love the cast and they're all great actors. The main cast that play the army vets, they're amazing. But I wasn't looking for you know, them to take this seriously like it was Oscar-worthy material, but somehow, some way, they took this, I, at least I feel personally, like, they took this very seriously, man. They took this like this was going to be a really big, major theatrical release, which, honestly, I wouldn't be mad if it was, because I would have wished that it, if it did, then it, that it would have made its money back and then some. I would have loved for this to come out in the theater. I would have loved for people to, you know, if, for people to respond to it so well that they demanded maybe a sequel with Stephen Lang in it. The movie is awesome, man. Um, I love the cast. I love the camaraderie. Like I said, the cinematography is great. The music, um, I have to talk, say something about a musical cue in here one time. And this is where I got to shout out uh, Michael Vanderpool again, because he mentioned uh, John Carpenterisms that are in this movie. And I, and I told him uh, in, in the Facebook movie group, I told him, I said, it's funny. I'm glad you mentioned John Carpenter because there's a mo- there's a moment in this movie where Stephen Lang says something to somebody outside and he's like, you, you want some more or whatever he says. And then he's like, yeah, I thought so. And he, he doesn't say that, but that's the look on his face. And when he turns around, there's a jump scare of one of the hypers rushing at him with a weapon before they get shot and killed. But the way the way that jump scare is set up and the way the music sounds reminded me of a John Carpenter movie type jump scare. The music sounds a lot like something like Halloween 3. Or um, oh, maybe like the thing or something like that. But there's a lot of uh, John Carpenter esque uh, style of filmmaking in this movie, man. I wonder if John Carpenter has seen it. I should actually tag him to this also uh, in this movie, man. But this movie is such a, like I said, it's such a time capsule film, man, because it's such a nod to '80s cinema. It's such a nod, a nod to. Um, you know, just almost sleazy, raunchy, grindhouse, gritty, uber-violent style films, man. Like I said, Hobo with a shotgun 
this shit really reminds me of. It seems like it could have been in the same universe. Like God bless the dead, man. It would be so amazing if Rutger Hauer was in this movie as well as one of the as one of the war veterans. Damn, man. Now I'm oh, I'm wishful thinking as to who could be in a sequel. Jesus, man. But you know, overall, people, I, like I said, I love the movie. I definitely would recommend it to anybody that's a fan of just unapologetic, gritty, gory, you know, horror, thriller, siege films. It's so many different genres wrapped up inside of this one movie, man. And that's what makes it amazing, because while it's so many different genres in the film, it still ends up being his own thing. It's his own, uh, you know, it's his own idea and it's his own movie. And it's pretty fucking memorable for me, man. This is just my personal opinions. Y'all already know what y'all tuned in for my personal opinions. So with that being said, people, I give this movie a solid, solid, strong nine out of 10, man. The only reason I don't give it a 10 out of 10 is probably because I did, you know, like I said, I wasn't really expecting much from Boz as an antagonist, but I did want a more intimidating villain, but he definitely did a good job with what he was given. I feel like he gave a little bit more than what was given on paper, and I can appreciate that, man. So it's not like there was a really, really crazy big takeaway for me to keep this from a 10. No, it was just just little, just little small things here and there, man. Uh, the, you know, the supporting cast... Um, they they were they were okay like the 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 uh, I'm, I keep calling them about to call them the Reapers, the Hypers. I wasn't expecting good acting from them, but the, uh, some of the ones that have speaking lines, it's just like eh, whatever. But it's not terrible because again, I didn't go into this. You know, I'm not looking for a Sundance Film Festival movie where I'm gonna give it an eight minute standing ovation and it's ultimately underrated because that or not underrated, overrated because that's what a lot of people do with these uh, a lot of these indie films nowadays they'd be like oh my god it was at Sundance it's the best movie I've ever seen I gave it a 20 out of 10 and it got an eight minute standing ovation for six days straight it's like nah nope I would pick this movie over a lot of that bullshit that they show at those film festivals that are so overrated because this movie I feel like is going to go down I mean it's really it's a little early to tell because it came out last year but I feel like this movie will go down as one of the most underrated flicks um definitely is a one of my favorite, yeah, I had to think about it. I had to, I had to think strongly about it. Yeah, it's one of my favorite flicks, people. I would put this in like a top, you know, I can't put it in my top five horror movies. Um, I can't put it in my top 10 because I think those are pretty much solidified, but I would definitely put this in like a top 15 or 20 um, just horror films in general, man. This is up there with shit like, like I said, with Green Room and, um, you know, like, siege films like that man i love it and the cast you cannot have gotten a better cast man i feel like with a sequel yeah you can improve on this or try to improve on this but the cast the glue that they had for uh the the war veterans you know awesome awesome job man so again shout out to joe besco's uh, uh bagels i'm sorry for uh you know directing this matthew mccardle for um you know writing this script man the the, the movie is great man and i'm so glad I finally got a chance to watch it again. I have to shout out Michael Vanderpool, man. Thank you so much for for staying on my ass about this movie, man. It would be something that didn't even have anything to do with VFW. And you would still ask me, like, have you seen this movie? Have you seen that movie yet? And I would just be like, nah. Sometimes I get pissed off when people do that, like when it doesn't have anything to do with the post. But damn it, this is one of those cases where I'm happy I, I listened and took, you know, somebody. Because I, I take, like... um somebody asked me certain movies to check out i will for the most part check them out it depends i'm i'm really weary about um certain people's taste in certain movies but this here man this was something i should have watched last year when it fucking dropped i just didn't have any idea it would be as good as it was people so strong 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 nine out of ten for me man and um 
with that being said, y'all already know where to, I keep saying with that being said, I think I should get like a thesaurus or some shit like that for when I'm on, uh, <laughs> for when I'm on deck with this podcast, man, I feel like I keep, I, I say a lot of the same things throughout and it confuses people or it just makes people feel like they're in like a deja vu time loop or something. I don't know, but y'all already know where to go, man. And if y'all don't, which y'all should, I mean, I would hope so. We're, we're almost 400, uh, 400 episodes in almost. In due time, people will get there, but we'll we'll take our time. But y'all can follow the podcast on Anchor, Spotify, iTunes, Google Podcasts, Apple Podcasts, Overcast, Pocket Cast, Breaker, Radio Public, and Podbean. Shout out to Anchor. Follow me on Facebook and Instagram, Romero Tudor. Shout out to the Facebook movie group, The Cinemaniacs. And shout out to the Facebook movie group, The Horror Virus. Last but not least, shout out to the Tudor reviewers, the listeners, the lovers, the supporters out there. Listen, man, y'all are still killing it in the game, man. I appreciate y'all. Um almost immediately tuning into uh my interview with my little brother vier y'all can check him out on soundcloud and all other platforms big big shout out to him man his album again epiphany is on all platforms literally just dropped it on his 20th birthday uh last friday but you know you guys almost immediately tuned into that episode man and i'm getting some feedback on it and i'm glad you guys are enjoying that interview man so again big shout out to y'all shout out to vier but you know to the reviewers man we're, we're almost getting to that 6k mark man and i'm anxious I'm anxious. I know I bullshit and I say every single time I want to do something. I haven't done like a thank you to the listeners type of episode since I got past 200 uh, listens. And um, I feel like I owe y'all that. Like, I, you know, this is why I wish it was way more interactive with this audio podcasting thing, because I literally would do a Q&A. Like it's a little it's hard to do stuff like that because I would have to ask people questions and then write them down. I, I'm, I, feel, I feel like it's a little kind of informal i know some people do that no diss to them but i feel like it's kind of informal i'm all about you know being hands-on and right then and there interacting with the listeners and the people that really show me love and hold this podcast down man because y'all already know the love and support y'all show me i show it back to y'all tenfold and then some so with that being said people yours truly romero tudor another episode of tudor reviews in the can i'll check y'all on the next one